Welcome to B Plot Podcast, the podcast where we take a look at some of the biggest movies from days gone by, mostly ignore it, look at the ones come out on the exact same day. My name is Lincoln, I'm here with my man Sam, we're both comics out here in London, we love movies, don't we Sam? Mm. Flaming hot <laughs> with, the, with the movie love. Guys, the movies that we picked for you uh, this time around is we picked, um, we picked some real fun joints. Uh, we have Bring It On, the Kirsten Dunst and Gabrielle Union starring uh, cheerleader feature and also on the exact same day by God um, then known as Blade but now the king of the broke boys my man Wesley Snipes um, <laughs> in the art of war where uh, he pretends to be Chinese that's what I that's what I think happened I'm not sure I'm not sure but yo let's start with bring it on start with bring it on man I'm sure you've seen this thing you know it came out in nope, 2000 I have what? this is the first time and I because I'm gonna ask you, I'm gonna I'm gonna turn this around. I want to ask you what your impressions are because my girlfriend has been dying for me to see this movie for years, and is quite upset that I had to watch it without her. But what's your relationship to this movie? Have you seen it before? Yeah, man, by God, Sam, I've seen this movie before. Um, and uh, shout out to you for not lying about it because that's what I would have done. Um, <laughs> But dude, uh, bring it on! I've seen it before. I remember I rented it from uh, from I think the video shop would have been Mr. Video, our local video <laughs> shop in South Africa. Mr. Video, mm. I probably rented it from them, and um, I don't remember much beyond. I remember two things. I remember the car washing scene, uh, where the girls oh, are yeah, in bikinis yeah. and washing the cars. Now, bear in mind, um, dear listener, I am like nine when I'm watching, this. <laughs> so I'm not. I don't understand what I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. I don't have a word for what I'm feeling, but something is, there's a feeling, right? Something is, mm. there's a fizzy sensation in my stomach. A and, tickle. Uh, yeah, but I don't have a word, I don't have a word for it. In fact, that's probably the most purest um, sexual emotion I've ever felt. Because it was, <laughs> it's, it's like primal. It's like I didn't have like layers of like socialization attached to it. It was just like pure. <laughs> Is the car wash scene for Bring It On your first sexual experience? You know, they say that you're trying to repeat your first sexual experience throughout the rest of your life. Is that, do you like cleaning? No, I don't. I don't. I fucking hate cleaning. It's like my least favorite shit ever. Um, mm. But no, but you're right. So there's there's something very pure about this, about the situation. The, the other thing is, uh, let me just kind of give you, if you haven't seen Bring It On, let me just give you the kind of the... Uh, uh, the description here is the Toro cheerleading squad. That's Kirsten Dunst's team from Rancho Carne High School in San Diego. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> to, this is fun to say out loud. Man, this Wikipedia, this Wikipedia description is so ridiculous. The Toro cheerleading squad from Rancho Carne High School in San Diego has got spirit, spunk, sass, and a killer routine that's sure to land them the national championship trophy for the sixth year in a row. But for newly elected team captain Torrance, that's Kirsten Dunst, their road to total cheer glory takes a shady turn when she discovered that their perfectly choreographed routines were stolen from uh, the Clovers, a hip-hop squad from East Compton. <laughs> yeah, lots going on there. So um, that's what I remember from, from Bring It On. Is my parents, I remember watching it with my parents, my dad rooting for the Clovers and my mom sticking with uh, the Toros. Is it? Because mm. of, okay. of movie I, magic, right? Right. I have because I have to say, I, I've, I've. This film came out when I was ten. I avoided it 
like the plague. I just uh, cheerleading football. I didn't know. I didn't know it was just cheerleading. I didn't know there was no sports in the movie. Um, I fucking loved it, dude. It was it's great, great, wasn't it? It was great, right? <laughs> it's so <laughs> good. <laughs> like the the for a minute, I was like, oh, this is this is exactly the kind of like corny, exact turn of the millennium, like bad dialogue I expected it to be. And then it just pulled the rug out from under me every step of the way, and I was like. Outlook when when they realised when Kirsten Dunst realises that their team has been um, stealing from the Black East Compton team the entire time, I was like, "Oh, that's a that's an interesting." Thing, but I bet they'll, I bet that Kirsten Dunst teams will like go out on their own and win, and that'll be the victory. And I was like, "No, you just kept like kept going." It's, this is a weirdly woke movie. It's incredibly weirdly woke. Um, it's in fact so weirdly woke that. Um the movie doesn't even have a doesn't have the concept of cultural appropriation. Mm. Um, it doesn't understand it as a concept. So when uh, Kirsten Dunst and her t- and Eliza Dushka go and go look at the routine, and she realizes that they've stolen these routines from the again hilariously named Clovers, the East, <laughs> that famous Irish neighborhood <laughs> of, of East Compton. <laughs> when she goes to st- when they realize that like. I think Gabrielle Union has to say like seven different sentences that all all basically amounts to cultural appropriation. It's like, yeah, yeah you guys yeah, come yeah. over, you guys come over here and you jack our shit and then you go back and then you get to be whoever you want to be, but we just have to watch you from the and I'm like, oh, you could just say this is cultural this is that word. Well, it didn't exist, right? Like it it wasn't a ter- it wasn't a term that we were using commonly. It was just we called it what it was, which was stealing, <laughs> which was just stealing. Uh, I think. Did you also have like a little resonance with this in terms of people stealing jokes? Was there a little part of you that was like, man, I would fucking kill that. I would kill the Toros. <laughs> no, no is the answer. I was lost in the movie, and I was lost in the movie. But I feel, I feel that though. Okay, look, because this is the 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 sort of the climax of the movie for anyone who hasn't seen it is that the uh, the the Clovers can't because they're an inner city school with lack of funding can't afford to go to the national cheerleading competition, uh, which by the way was a thing where I was like, okay, so you have like legit the best cheerleading squad in the country and like nobody's funding you, which is obviously like, come on, this is fucking ridiculous. I'm sorry, dude. I've lost my point. <laughs> I fucking, I had my second jab yesterday. <laughs> oh, man, I'm all over the place. Sam with that Moderna take. Just <laughs> oh, that's that's <laughs> that's what I was. I feel like this entire movie can be summed up. It's it's like pre the cultural appropriation term. It is just we're sorry. We didn't know. That's the whole. That's the energy of like the entire film. Is like. Kirsten Dunst being sorry to black people for stealing all this, like all the dances and oddly topical as well with what's going on in our time at the moment. When you look at like uh, all the black TikTok dancers have yeah. gone strike with the Megan the Stallion stuff. And I'm like, wow, man, it's really, this is like, this is a 20 year come back around again. It's aged really, really well in terms of its racial politics, which is very surprising. It's aged very, very poorly in terms of it's everything else politics um <laughs> yeah it's not it's a very like casually uh homophobic movie no well 
Yeah, I will say it's because because the the characters say homophobic things and every like it's a laugh line, right? Um, they body shame that poor girl. They say that she's got a big old bunda. And look, man, we are here. We're all grown ups. She did have a big old bunda, but that bunda right now mm. would um, net her at least a hundred thousand Instagram followers. Fantastic stuff. Um, Inflation on that is insane. oh, dude. The inflationary bunda is actually that is something to consider. Um, if she had held on to that bunda for like twenty years, <laughs> um, <laughs> she would be set for life. She would. <laughs> if you could get in on the ground floor of the bunda, uh, you could actually um, set yourself up for life and your family as well. Can I also make another point about uh, the the Toro cheerleading squad is mostly made up of actors. And the Clover cheerleading squad is mostly made up of cheerleaders. And you can tell there was this scene where I was like, because th- that moment, right? Just to go back to it, when Kirsten Dunst walks into the hall and watches them before me, they're so insanely like performing at a higher level. I was like, this is insane. They're doing like impossible fucking flips and turns. And there was this one, there was one scene where they were all like facing off against each other. And you can tell how much shorter the Clover's team are. They're all like less than five foot. And I'm like, yeah, of course you're all like real professional cheerleaders doing thing and Kirsten Dunst is just doing TikTok dances. Well, to be fair, I actually, uh, I did a little bit of research about this and apparently those moves are actually mostly uh, illegal in high school gymnast, uh, high school cheerleading. The the moves that I can the see that. were doing. Because uh, it's very, very dangerous. People don't have, the spines haven't stopped growing yet. You can't just be throwing people up <laughs> and doing those kind of moves. Yeah, but... You know what? Let's start with highlights, low light. <clears throat> Let's start with highlights, low lights. Um, highlights for me. Highlights for me. I'll start. Um, highlights. Eliza Dushku. My God. What a smoke show. What a smoke show. She is gorgeous. Um, it's funny to me that she starts off as a as this goth um, alt chick. And the moment she gets in the squad, she's like, oh, fuck that. I'm done. I'm cool now. I'm part of the cool kids. I don't have to be old anymore. I renounce my personality. I'm good. I'm in with the cool kids. <laughs> I thought there was sometimes it was actually laugh out loud funny. That one time, uh, the most relatable moment for me, when uh, Kirsten Dunst is on the phone and her brother says, I've got something to tell you, I've got something to tell you. And he farts in her face. Come on, man. <laughs> That's Shakespeare. That's Shakespeare. <laughs> people farting in people's faces. Come on. What do you want from me? That's how we live. That's, again, primal stuff. This is primarily funny. This has been funny across cultures forever. And um, then finally, my final highlight um, is the race stuff. I think it's really I think it's really interesting. And, it, and it's also like, even though I have my issues with this particular phrase and, and how it's presented, the concept of like white fragility, the concept of white people being confronted with their racism and... Instead of instead instead of just like accepting it and being like, okay, I get it, trying to like better themselves, like trying to yeah improve through their own sense of self improvement, they could be like, oh well, well I did my bit, <laughs> like that kind of things, and I thought that was quite I thought it was quite good. Yeah, no, I agree. My highlight is uh, when when Kirsty Dunst goes to give them the money, she begs her dad for money. Well, she well, I mean she doesn't beg her dad, she just straight up tells him to give her 20 grand which <laughs> is fucking insane and it's then was gabrielle union ripping up the check and being like fuck you we're gonna beat you in every way i was like yeah that's sick i the thing i love most about this film 
it's it lives by its namesake, man, which the art of war does not. The art of war is a very, very confusing piece of shit. Um, and I'm very ready to discuss it. But like there's some other stuff in Bring It On that I um that I also like. It has the classic teen uh movies from that time, from the late nineties, early two thousands. All the fucking adults are just morons. Um, yeah. Not a single adult has any sort of value, um, adds any sort of value, has any sort of uh, correcting influence, or actually even really a corrosive influence. Not, not really. Uh, the worst yeah, is the yeah. guy who does the spirit fingers, dude, who's cl- clearly like on, he is what he is. And um, But yeah, all the adults, fucking morons. No one listens to them. Story happens besides them and despite them. That's good fun. Mm. And there was also, there was just this like kind of odd, not magical realism element, but it's this whole thing, you know, where Kirsten Dunst thinks she's like cursed by the, I can't remember what the stick's called that they throw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, everything's going wrong for her. And she's like, oh, I'm cursed. And then it just goes into like this eight minute flashback. It's like a slow motion total non sequitur comedy bit about her offending another team of cheerleaders and i was like yeah this is great just be stupid i do want to say i looked it up afterwards and roger ebert gave this a two out of four at the time later retracted it said he regretted it and and in all sincerity said this is the citizen kane of cheerleading movies Never wrong. Never wrong. Well, sometimes, but not this time. Not this time. Um, yeah. What was the other thing I was going to say about Bring It On? The, ah, it was some really interesting scene. So I watched it. You know, guys, 100% of this podcast, uh, men, it's an issue. Um, we try and address it from time to time, but, you know, there's nothing we can do about it on a day-to-day basis. Um, so we don't engage mean, with the... Do you, do you, do you mean us or do you mean our listeners? No, I mean me and you. Me and you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me yeah, and you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, as a result, there are certain movies that we don't engage with, you know, the way that the target audience is meant to engage with them. Right. Bringing on a little bit one of those ones. I watched it with my partner. Of course, she's seen this thing fucking thousands of times. Thousands of times she's seen it. Watch it again, Sam. Prime movie watching conditions. Prime movie watching conditions. Saturday night, 8 p.m. Raining outside. Got got a takeaway in. Could not give Mm. the movie more of a chance. Um, She was like, hey, this is an iconic scene right now. And um, she did that like four or five times. But the one thing I think she was 100% right for is the toothbrushing scene. Yeah, it was great. It was great, right? That's such a yeah. That was my favorite. I forgot that. That's my favorite scene in the movie. Yeah, it's just everything. It's just everything of like you know, two people, the awk, the tension, looking at each other. And she was like, again, she was she might have been nine uh, when she was watching it. She might have been nine. There's no way she understood what the fuck was going on there, but she felt something in the. She felt uh, the, the feeling, the primal think was moving for the gears were moving but she didn't have a name for any of them and um it's just funny to me that that for me was eliza dushku in a bikini and i was like oh, <laughs> oh. again pure though pure it was pure yeah yeah i i think i think because 
when I was a kid, I had the biggest crush on, crush on Eliza Dushku. When she showed up in Buffy, I was like, let's watch this fucking show instead. Like, this is great. But I think watching it now for the first time as a 31-year-old man, the car wash thing made me, like, it made me feel sad. I was like, oh, oh you're, you guys are children. You're little babies. You're in high school. It's fucked up. But obviously, if I had been nine, I would have, I, w- I probably wouldn't have felt so strongly about the toothbrushing scene. Also, dude, I don't know. I also feel like even as a strategy for catching pedos, um, <laughs> the car, bikini car wash has got to be the worst one. Just because it's like literally, as soon as you park your car in there, the FBI can just like close that gate behind you. All right, you, you, <laughs> you, you, you. you. <laughs> Right, you guys come with us. And we're like, but we didn't do anything. We'll see about that. (laughs) You know what you did. (laughs) Let me open that car boot. Oh, no, no, no. Come with me. So this is the problem. The legal drinking age and driving age should be the same. Because you can't have 16-year-olds washing cars. Because, like, anyone above the age of 18 can come in. Yeah, it's dark. It's dark. In retrospect, the darkest moment in the in the entire film and possibly our lives. Um, all right, things that I hate. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. I, I just want to call one so to kick off the things that I hate. The darkest moment for me has to be when the guy fingers the cheerleader during the cheer thing uncomfortably. It was consensual though, right? She took off her knickers, didn't she, for that to happen? No, that's why I. She? Took, I think she did. I think that's the implication. Mm, I that she, that she gave him the 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 uh, what you call it like when you land a plane. Like the, <laughs> oh, the, the uh, yeah yeah I know like what you mean. Tra- uh, traffic controller. <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. The um, I think I might have zoned out a little bit for the penalty bit. I'm also speaking under correction because I don't I wasn't looking too closely, but um, I think that's what happened. I think she gave him the. I think she gave him the okay. Um, dark nonetheless because that's in front of a group a whole bunch of people um, who now have to have hundreds of people Mm. Um, but it's not kink shame Sam it's important that you know whatever floats um, (laughs) no 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 no. it's not whatever floats your boat you can't just fuck in front of your mates and be like we're mates it's cool but who are you really hurting here your mates they're like also it wasn't your mates well it was was hundreds of people it was strangers (laughs) You're right. You're right. That was way better. Yeah. Well, also, yeah. Now it implicates them in the whole FBI thing as well. So no, <laughs> it's come full circle. It's come full circle. Um, no. I. You know what? My my low light. I'll say my fucking low light. By God, is I don't know this name of this fucking dude, but uh, Cliff, whatever his name is, Jesse Bradford, the the boyfriend. Oh yeah. Get this guy out of here. Get this guy out of here. He walks in with the clash shirt. I'm like, all right, that's okay. We get it. You're edgy. You're edgy. Plays egg, plays guitar. And you're edgy. It's also, uh, this is the superficiality of the guy that she's with before to him. Where the guy that she's with before is this like really nice sweater wearing piece of shit. Like it's super polite and like well-meaning, but inside he's just a horrible douchebag. And then this guy who likes the clash and his personality is liking the clash and that makes him a good dude. I'm like, it's not, it's not enough. It's not enough. And you know what? Like scene where she was like, is this your, is that your band? And he's like, no, the clash. That is 
I know this movie was written by 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 a woman, but like I would have I could have sworn it was a dude that said that because that is like as, and I say this as a person who wears a few band t-shirts and like wrestling t-shirts. That's my fucking dream. Yeah. Is, so, is, some, is someone going, oh, dude, nice shirt, the Clash. And I'm like, fuck, thank you. I wore this mm-hmm. for you. <laughs> so for him to get that shout out from uh, a pretty girl in uh, in class or whatever, to be like, oh, nice shirt, there's the Clash. His absolute dream. His absolute dream. Yeah, yeah. That's like if you like ever with uh, if you ever hang out somewhere and someone's playing a song because they've got the orcs and you go to them ah what kind of which song is this and they're like fuck dude I've been waiting my whole life for this moment <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'd like to thank the academy I'd like to thank my agent <laughs> that's that moment that's a real low light um, for me what was the other low lights. Uh, yeah, just the kind of like wild casual homophobia, which feels really out of place. Feels really out of place in in movies. It's it's and the thing with the homophobia that I sort of struggled a bit with watching this movie was there is a gay character who has like a really nice sort of like positive, very short interaction towards the end that I felt like that's really good, really like in good faith, nice bit of work there but it was it's kind of that that barrier between do you remember how we were talking how people were talking in 2000 like that word those words were fucking everywhere and there is kind and there is kind of that it's the level of like um i guess the reason is i've been thinking about this a lot because i rewatched. i think i told you about this i rewatched king kong a while ago the 1933 and it's been so many years that the racism in it has almost like fully looped around to being like because the politics at the time were so bad that the white dudes who were like supposed to be the good guys in the film are doing such horrible things that there's no way you can view them as decent people like in modern day and i felt like there was almost a little bit of that with bring it on where i was like this is how fucking kids used to talk man and it's like super grim but there is like <laughs> there's almost not and i'm not legitimately defending it but almost the horseshoe effect of like this is what all these other kids were dealing with at the time, though, while these like white girls were doing their cheerleading. It was like rampant hate speech, like 8 a.m. in the morning on a Tuesday, you know? Yeah, like literally on your way to school, someone would drop an F-bomb to be like, oh, there you are. Be like, all right, yeah, like, yeah. let me just put on it. Let me just wear my backpack and yeah. walk off to class. <laughs> I had to carry that with me for the fucking rest of the day. Thanks a lot, buddy. Um, yeah. So that, look, man, fun little joint. But yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, Sam. I have, I, I have, I have, I have one other little low light that would be an instant cancel. But I have so many instant cancels. There are so many that I was just throwing. Did you spot the Clovers, the mascot, full blackface, white guy, full blackface? I, you know what I thought that was. I remembered it as a black guy, but it was a white guy in blackface. So white guy in black, I had to, I had to rewind because I was like, bro, that's not like, I know, I know those beards. <laughs> that's my beard. <laughs> Here's the next question though. Is, is it, a, does a triple negative, does it can, is there like a, I don't know how these things work. So you have a white guy. So you have a white actor playing a white actor. So a white actor playing a white dude, playing a black dude who's playing an Irish dude. 
Yes. That's, That's a lot, man. And that, <laughs> that is, and that, that is why uh, Robert Downey Jr. and Tropic Thunder is indefensible because Bring It On already like double meted that. You you think Robert Downey Jr. and, and Tropic Thunder are indefensible? I think yeah, I think it's like I think now it's like yeah, that's you can't come on, man. No, that's not the bit. That's a hard disagree. Hard disagree. Yeah, yeah, because he's play he's playing the white actor who thinks that that is okay. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah, yeah, that's yeah. what makes it work, right? I f- no, I don't feel like it does. I feel like whenever that bit comes in, and look, a hundred percent, I I know the logic steps of what you're saying. But I just always feel like that is just the sneaky way of like we're doing it, but we're getting around it. No, and we uh, we 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 discussed it. We discussed it at the cookout. He's he's through along. Did with you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Along with Quinton, <laughs> along with Quinton, he's through. <laughs> I'd like everybody from the cookout to message me privately about this just to confirm. <laughs> So if you were at the cookout, you know, put down that jerk chicken. <laughs> Send Sam a message. Yeah, message Sam some affirmations because I'm not sure about that one. Dude, you wanna you wanna move on to the art of war by God? This fucking. Let's get on well, to it, man. Let's let's do it. Um, all right, so guys, the movie that came out on the exact same day, and it's very very funny. It's very interesting. This movie was supposed to be. This was supposed to be the hit. Um. Mm. I think uh, Wizzy Snipes is fresh off Blade. So he's doing pretty well. He's doing pretty well for himself. He's a big box office draw. So is uh, Kirsten Dunst. I think Kirsten Dunst is more kind of known for little indie films and stuff like that. You know, kind of independent yeah. cinema. She did the interview with the vampire as a kid as well. That was like quite big at the time. Yeah, That was quite big. But like in, in the kind of intervening years, she, you know, I think she does The Virgin Suicides, you know. I couldn't, kind of, I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't remember that was like, that's the same era, isn't it? Yeah, it's like, I think she does something like that. So she's doing these little indie quirky movies, or not necessarily indie movies, but, you know, not blockbusters the way that it is. And Bring It On is, un- unexpectedly, is a massive blockbuster. And on the same day, The Art of War, the Wesley Snipes film, dies a slow death. And it's very interesting as well, because these movies have so much in common i think because they both spawn really like forgettable straight to video sequels and in fact the bring it on franchise runs for like another five or six movies straight to dvd now it would kind of be like a kind of streaming uh behemoth uh, i think yeah well there's a uh there's a bring it on halloween coming in 20 in ne- that next year 2022 it's going go. straight to streaming services, yeah. Same thing with the art of war. Like this kind of the racket that Jean Claude Van Damme and guys like Steven Seagal were pulling, where you know you can kind of make these movies pretty cheaply, Eastern Europe somewhere, and um, you get a couple of you know go straight on Amazon Prime. But anyway, so sorry, the art of war is the Wesley Snipes film, and uh, I'm going to give you the <laughs> I'm going to give you the kind of synopsis here. Um, when a container of dead bodies emerges and woo. A Chinese ambassador is shot at a US-China trade agreement. Sure, that's Wesley Snipes. An FBI agent on the case is wrongly framed for the murder. Now, that doesn't really tell you a lot. Basically, what you have to understand from this is Wesley Snipes is a kind of... He works for the UN and he makes hilariously makes the UN seem way more badass than it actually is. He kind of does wet work 
for the for the UN. Like he kind of does like espionage to help, I don't know, destabilize other countries uh in order to, you know, kind of do the broad ideals of democracy. So that's what Wesley Snipes does. And um this is all kind of playing out against uh, a US China trade deal. And um he's framed for the assassination. They bring up the Vietnamese girls. That's one of the kind of kicking off moments in the in the in the movie is that a uh, uh, season two of The Wire, a kind of you know, a trunk a container full of uh, dead women shows up. But I will argue that that is very of very very little importance to whatever happens in this movie. Yeah, uh, this is the thing. Every everything you just said. <laughs> is straight up from the Wikipedia, not the film. Because, like, yes, it's sort of loosely in the film, but none of it really bears any... Like, none of it really has any impact on the plot. And it's so plot-heavy that it's sort of like... None of these... I don't know, nothing has any impact. And I'm like, I honestly just want to see Wesley Snipes fight people. Like, that's what I want from this. Just give me that. Yeah, so I have a couple of issues. Um... These are highlights. These are stray thoughts. These aren't highlights or lowlights. Um, but my stray thought is that I think it's weird. And this happens is like various raids on the UN. I think it's weird that the UN only has like one security guard in the lobby. Um, because lo there's loads of action in the in the UN. But like, I don't feel like the UN has any sort of handle on it's like very open door policy. UN. Yeah. Also, also, sorry, was the UN logo just a gun on the world? I think that's what the UN does. Look, we, no one really knows what the UN does, to be honest. No one has any idea. If you told me that the UN is basically like the fucking, fucking Cobra, Cobra Kai type yeah, yeah, martial yeah. arts dojo, I would just believe you. I just believe you that the UN just goes up and they beat up other, like they beat up the European Union or like they beat up uh, other FIFA or whoever. <laughs> Culturally, at this stage, I think the UN is just a place to blow up to incite plot. Pretty much it. Pretty much it. I don't think, dude, there's nothing as useless as the UN in a superhero movie scenario. Um, yeah. The UN is just a place where you can go and get assassinated. Look, man, I think Tony Soprano killed the art of war for you guys. Um, like, I mean, I'm sure, I have, I'm pretty sure I must have read it at some point. I must have seen, like, because it's not a narrative book. It has, like, little aphorisms in it, right? That's, like, the same yeah, with The yeah. Prince, with Machiavelli. It's got little aphorisms. And I'm like, okay, I guess I have to apply this to my life. I don't really... This is the same, dude. It's the same thing that happened with all of those books. The Prince, um, The Art of War, is I'm like, I'm at work. I don't like my co worker. This doesn't apply to me. Yeah. I don't have yeah. enemies. I just have people I don't like who probably don't like me back. That's not the same as a mortal enemy that I have to undermine to. I don't have that kind of time and energy and I'm not smart enough for that. If I was, I probably wouldn't be at this shitty job with this shitty situation. I'd probably be much better adjusted. And these things, I mean, and these things are like uh, catnip for single dudes who don't know how to live there. Like the game I feel like is in there. These are all, these are all guides of how to manipulate people who have to obey to an almost croupier-like code of living. Do you know what I mean? Like, 
you can't. It's the the the, the prince is is fu is fucking great if you have subjects. Do you know what I mean to manipulate and to do the right thing for you? Sorry about that. No, man, that's that's very true. This is the same. Look, man, I I, I remember I read Fifty Cent's book. Um, I think it's called Fifty Laws of Power, the Fiftieth Law, something like that. It was bullshit because all Fifty Cent's laws relate to um. Uh, drug dealing and shooting people, and I'm like, if your enemy's in the street, if your enemy's in the street, shoot your enemy before he shoots you. And I'm like, fifty, this doesn't apply to me. I'm, I, I work in an office. Yeah. I'm gonna shoot Keith <laughs> in IT like that. I can't do that. I, yeah, I. Uh, <laughs> the one for me. Did you ever see something from Nothing? The Art of Rap, the Ice T documentary. I have not seen that. It's a great documentary. It's just about the craft. Nothing. It's not none of the other stuff. But Immortal Techniques said this thing on uh, the Art of War. There was like, I always write hungry. I always go on stage hungry because that makes me want it more. And I was when I was a young comic trying, you know, starting out. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna do that. And I just ended up feeling really faint and forgetting my words. It's like, <laughs> yeah, when you're a rapper, you're hungry because you have to keep time. But I have to stop when they laugh or boo me. Do you know what I mean? There's no. In between. Should we move to uh, categories? Should we move to categories? Categories. So we do have categories on this podcast if we compare these two films. Uh, usually, the first category so, is the instant cancellation. Between Bring It On, between Bring It On and uh, The Art of War, what's your instant cancellation? Mm, I think I'm a I'm gonna do a sneaky instant cancel. I'm gonna do a weirdly woke instant cancel for Art of War. Is when Wesley Snipes does Chinese voice on the phone uh, to pretend to be Chinese, S super racist. But also, I'm like, to be fair, in if this was a buddy movie, a couple years ago, Jackie Chan just said the N word in Rush Hour. Do you know what I mean? So like, fair fair revenge. You know what's crazy is even though I've just found out about that, I immediately forgave Jackie Chan just because of how, <laughs> <laughs> just because of how much I love him and how important he is to me and my family and my community. I immediately forgave him. I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna debate it. I I love Jackie Chan so much. Um, police stories, one of the greatest of all time. Um, yeah, you you're right. My instant cancellation is um, is basically the threat to life situation at the beginning of the when they're in the nightclub. Wesley Snipes allows a underage girl to be abused in the club, and um, I think in a different movie he steps in, but in this in this movie he just kind of broadcasts it onto the screen in the club to expose the 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 general. Um, and was like, yeah, I feel like I feel like we could. I feel like this is a headline. <laughs> like this is, I think like this is a headline in a different movie. Um, I also, okay. in terms, of, also as like the internet generation, it's like you can't do that. That could go anywhere. Do you know what I mean? Like in yeah. the in the my, my, when I was watching it in my mind, I was like, bro, this is Snapchat. What are you doing? <laughs> really woke moment. There's a moment that was like in 2000. You're like, oh, well played movie. You know, this is. Uh, you know, this is quite uh, progressive. Um, I think the uh, the progressive moment is in Bring It On. 
the progressive moment in bring it on and uh that is i think it's i think it's really i think it's really progressive uh of the time because obviously this was already happening but this hollywood is like always two years behind it that loads of people are just crazily into cheerleading <laughs> that there's a that there's a literal conference that, and that's a, and by the way that's where the real one takes place the real national cheerleading championships happens in daytona florida um that's what they did my my, my partner was watching that cheer documentary and Jesus. i caught the last two episodes so when i saw the uh when i saw the daytona thing at the end i was like holy shit this is accurate yeah that's true also isn't it weird that there's no coach surely there's a coach right there's no adult accompanying these kids across the country. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's fucking weird. But I also think it's weird that there's... I, th- I think it's weird that they're just cheering. I think it's weird that they're supporting just the idea of supporting. <laughs> Do you really know what I mean? Funny. No, 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 no. Look, I understand I understand the, uh, the confusion. But, but, Sam, it is legit. You've seen cheer. It is fucking intense. It's it, but but you have also just told me that like half the shit they're doing is illegal at college cheer competitions. So I no am no no, no. Like, at, at high school level at high school level it's college level it's fine college level it's fine. No, but I'm look, like let's just watch Simone Biles at this point. Do you know what I mean? Like, look, cheerleading no dumber or smarter than professional wrestling. So I am very happy to accept. <laughs> I'm very happy to accept it as as an art form or as a sport. Not belittling like the gymnastic and the, da- the 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 craft elements. I'm just like, just it doesn't need to be like let's go. It like just have a thing that you say for that you're <laughs> that <is> for <laughs> that isn't just the nature of cheering. Just like have a, you know how like some comics just do puns, some comics do like political stuff. I'm like, I just want to see the I, I want to see the cheerleading act that's gonna yeah. like have a message. It's the equivalent of um, in the mid '90s when rappers used to just rap about how good they are at rapping. <laughs> <laughs> my pen, my flow, so good, <laughs> like all that kind of stuff. Like, all right, thanks, Nas. Thank you, thank you. Freaky Friday. If you had to swap uh, characters uh, between the Art of War and uh, Bring It On, who would you do? This straight up has to be Eliza Dushku and Wesley Snipes, right? And the the because. Eliza Dushku in The Art of War, I feel like the character... Eliza Dushku comes pre-packaged with character motivation. Do you know what I mean? Like, whether she's in Buffy, whether she's in Bring It On, or whether she's in Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, she is angry goth lady who's coming in and doesn't like the way the fucking system works and is going to change it, but through violence and, like, hard attitude. So I'm like... That would bring the characterization to the Wesley character that I need. And Wesley and Bring It On as like the kind of outline. Wesley would be the ringer. That's the thing I want to see. He's just like the strongest, best, fittest cheerleader coming in with that like, I don't give a fuck attitude. And I want to see him going with Gabrielle Union when they're like squaring it off. I want to see him bringing the two Wong Fu to it. And they're fighting. Gabrielle Union and, and Wesley Snipes are fighting. It yeah. starts off Capoeira, then it becomes Blade. <laughs> I think, actually, you're, you, you're better off with Kirsten Dunst and Wesley Snipes swapping because Kirsten Dunst, um, because of Kirsten Dunst's characters, Wesley Snipes is Kirsten Dunst. He realizes that he's been 
These teens are stolen. But he doesn't care. <laughs> and he just <laughs> does it anyway. Because he's uh, so morally bankrupt. And whereas Kirsten Dunst is uh, over at the UN, she doesn't make it to the end of the movie because she feels guilty. And she writes a, a very scathing blog post uh, in 2000 <laughs> before we even knew what that was. And um, she affects real change. She actually, you know, I'm not, not cynical here. She actually, she, she shines a spotlight on a lot of the clandestine operations of the United Nations. Um, and so that's good. That's good that she's done that. She's like a, a proto- Greta Thunberg, but she also cheerleads in a in a spare time. Got it. So if you had to generate a sequel for bringing on all the art of war, saying that you haven't seen them before, um, I think I'll go first. Okay, do you mind? I I think I'll go first with with art of war. I think the art of war. Okay, I think he should. Wesley Snipes should infiltrate every other um, multinational uh, organization. Um, he is the military wing, the espionage for literally every, for UNICEF, for, (laughs) for Doctors Without Borders, for, um, for fucking, the the Red Cross, he's just killing for every, the World Wildlife Federation, he's (laughs) (laughs) he's going into other countries and he's fucking murking some pandas. He is just for all of these weird, like soft charity organizations. Uh, Wesley Snipes is the one who kills the people um, to get what we actually have to do done. Unilever, whoever. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'd watch. I'd, dude. I mean, I'd watch Wesley Snipes tour anything if it had better writing than this. Mm. I'm gonna do Bring It On though, and I know it's had many sequels, but I don't believe this one has been made because none of the original cast have ever come back. I would make bring it on two, and it would be the exact same movie from the Clover's perspective. So you know where they do the you know you know like a sitcom does those episodes where it's like this is what happened with these two characters and this is what happened with these two characters. I want to see the bullshit that the Clovers have to do whilst Kirsten Dunst is working out is like, oh, just giving them my daddy's money isn't the right thing. I'm like that would be hilarious to me. Yeah, it's pretty good. Also, you know, but like, it, it is actually very interesting that I think the movie is better for it that it tells it from Kirsten Dunst's perspective than from the Clover's perspective. Because I've seen that movie before. I've seen the movie where the the black teams from a uh, wrong side of the tracks has to overcome and they finally make it and they triumph. I've seen that movie and like, that's a good movie, whatever. But this movie so is... It's so much better, so original. To be like, no, 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 no. This this is you are the main characters, but this movie isn't actually about you. This is about these people over here. Yeah, a bit and that is a device I always like. But specifically, I just think in a sequel it would land so much harder if you have the East Compton bullshit and then Kirsten just with the knowledge of who Kirsten Dunst in this film is, without her ever being um like developed in Bring It On Two, if you know what I mean. Do you want uh, to send a shout out to anything else that you've watched recently? <laughs> I've been watching New Girl for the first time ever. It's good. It's a good show. I. It's funny. Don't agree, but I do agree. Look, Jake Johnson is fucking great. He's man. great, isn't he? I'm like that. The guy's great. 
the actor who plays Schmitty, I'm like, you're a brilliant performer. Like you yeah. are, <laughs> your salesmanship on these jokes is fantastic. That's such an, that's such a showbiz thing to say. So a brilliant, brilliant performer, brilliant performer. Even if I don't want to laugh, I'm laughing. I'm laughing at him. Zoe de Chanel, however, look, I used to, I used to be, I used to date somebody who used to hate Zoe de Chanel to the point where I was like, I don't think, I don't think it's that big a deal, man. It's just like a quirky girl. But watching New Girl, I'm like, this character is Kenny Powers with a different tone. Okay. <laughs> I hate, I hate uh, Jess the character so uh. much. Just manipulative scheming just fucking everyone over in like her own pursuits in a really horrible way and i'm like bro D danny mcbride did this man i you know what i love i think the new girl that shit that shit is the, i'm sorry man it, it warms it warms my chest it's got it's got the i think the ensemble is very good um i watched i went on a thing uh the other day i watched like three movies in a row which is insane for me i never have that kind of concentrate i watched bone tomahawk um, mm -hmm. Craig Craig S. Zeller. He has a movie called Brawl in Cell Block 99, I think is the name of the movie, with Vince Vaughn starring in it. Really, really interesting yeah. stuff. He, it's basically like an update on uh, the kind of movies that my dad likes, like the kind of like Charles Bronson movies that my dad likes. But he's updated it, given it a bit of a... Um, it's really like slow-burning thing. So he made a movie called Bone mm. Tomahawk with Kurt Russell. Um, and it's like a Western kind of horror kind of thing and dude I, I think you'd love these movies actually if you love special effects some of the most some of the grossest uh not gross necessarily but my, most visceral special effects you'll ever see in your life like this doesn't mm. happen in this movie but in some of his other movies there's like stuff where a guy's face is being scraped on a on a floor and you see the cheekbone like that kind of stuff okay really, yeah, like yeah, really yeah. like visceral uh, so I watched that Bone Tomahawk um, quite good nice slow western but also a horror so I dug it and, um, and then this is weird watched 8 Mile for the first time in a long time oh yeah and um, man what a film what a look what a move aged well or bad I think it's aged better because I think if if you make it in 2020 unfortunately it can't exist without Eminem because it only works with the idea that we know that a white rapper has made it so it has yeah, to work yeah, yeah, yeah. with that lens but it also works as like an A24 style independent drama just like fucking living hard in Detroit man like and all the stuff that you do when you are poor in Detroit you, you fuck go to work burn down a house with your friends go <laughs> You go to the you go to the pub, then you go freestyle, then you fix a <laughs> then you fix a car, like just all of the stuff that you do when you don't have much on and you don't have much going on in your life. You're like yeah, and you, you shout at your friends and they go man fuck you, <laughs> like and then you go like, <laughs> can't hang out with other people because these are the only friends you have. <laughs> I might I might rewatch Eight Mile and try and pivot this to a rap career then, in that case. Yeah, I think I mean, why not? Alright man. Let's fucking pack it in, my dude. Uh, anything else you want to promote? Anything else you want to say? No, just uh, just keep watching Jerk on BBC Three, innit? Yeah, keep <laughs> I know he's not on this episode, but no, no, no. We'll keep shouting me out. It's fun times, fun times. All right, guys. Uh, check you next week. Peace. <laughs>